When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin. We are taking you up until seven o'clock Eastern, filling in for those guys. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports. That's me at Courtney R Cronin. That's her. You can also hit us up on the CC call in line one triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Tune into the ESPN Daily podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters, presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Courtney, we are in the midst right now of SEC Media Days. They kicked off today, and of course, there's a lot coming out of the SEC. Not to mention football, because you know that whole they won the national championship thing uh, through Georgia and the runner up, by the way, the conference winner in Alabama. So there's some football stuff in terms of on the field, but there's a whole lot of football stuff in terms of not on the field. Conference realignment is going to be a key subject at SEC media days. We did hear in Greg Sankey's state of the union address, so to speak, his state of the SEC address that he does every SEC media day at the top, uh, kicking off media days. He said that, that the SEC is in no rush to expand any further. Big shock. There's no. They already took out the. Um, they already took out like two of the biggest teams in in college football when they got Oklahoma and Texas last year. And this is a conference that already has 18 teams. I know that you and I believe that they're going to expand even further, but right now they don't need to. And right now I should probably be quiet so we can actually hear that sound from Greg Sankey that I just stepped all over. So if we want to go ahead and get to that, I'll be quiet. <laughs> Greg Sankey. There's no sense there of urgency in our league, no panic in reaction to others' decisions. We know who we are, we are confident in our collective strength, and we are uniquely positioned to continue to provide remarkable experiences educationally and athletically, along with world-class support to student-athletes. Yeah, we know who we are because we just expanded. (laughs) Texas and Oklahoma haven't even joined our conference yet. So maybe we'll talk about it after they do, if they join early. Right now, obviously, they're not slated to join until 2025. A lot of people think that they'll end up reaching a buyout with the Big 12, maybe coming over to the SEC even sooner. But, Courtney, of course, the SEC isn't so worried about expanding further right now. Like, they quite literally just did. I mean, they're the ones who kick this whole thing off. And, you know, it's kind of rich when Greg Sankey says that there's no sense of urgency with this league. Well, world domination is apparently what they have in mind because they started this last July when Oklahoma and Texas up and left the Big 12 and kicked off conference realignment in what is going to be this snowball effect. We see it with USC and UCLA going to the Big 10. You and I talked earlier about what that third super conference could potentially be? Will it be some combination of the ACC, Pac-12, Big 12? Could any one of those conferences stand on their own as the super conference that jo- joins, you know, the SEC and then the Big 10? You know, 
the SEC did all of this. So, of course, they don't feel any rush right now because their timeline is kind of dictating what else happens without with, throughout college football and from there throughout college sports. So I'm not surprised that they've taken this approach because they're also not going to stand up there. Greg Sankey is not going to stand up there and say, yep, we've got our eye on Florida State. We've got our eye on Clemson. We've got our eye on Miami. ACC, you're on the watch. We also wouldn't mind Oregon coming here. They're a great brand. Come on down to the South. Notre Dame, whenever you're done being an independent, uh, call us before you call the Big Ten, even though they've been Mm -hmm. chasing you for 120 years to join their conference. Like, he's not going to say anything contrary to we're okay with where we're at right now because conference realignment and the money that comes with that, they're better benefiting from it directly and they can see you know what it looks like when they get Oklahoma and Texas into the fold and then figure out okay how can we make even more than we're making currently with with all of this a part of our mix so we are going to have Peter Burns on uh, in just less than 10 minutes live from SEC media days we will continue to ask him about how conference realignment is dominating the conversation there but there are other conversations happening at SEC media days NIL being one of those conversations now we remember Courtney the war of words between Nick Saban and and Jimbo Fisher when it comes to NIL with Deion Sanders getting into the mix well now at SEC media days Lane Kiffin who of course was in front of a microphone today and whenever he's in front of a microphone he's always making bites and here's Lane Kiffin addressing NIL well the first question is the keys to NIL and how do you do well at that you have really good boosters that's how you do well at it so um, I'll say what other people don't say as you know so it's like a payroll you know in baseball what teams win over a long period of time teams that have high payrolls and can pay players a lot so um, we're in a situation not any different than that, which is what I'm not saying I didn't. I'm sure other people said it. I said it day one. You legalize cheating, and so get ready for the people that have the most money to get the best players. And now you have it. So it is what it is. And as far as a general manager to manage that, we aren't allowed in the current system to manage what they make. So um, so there isn't. Well, we're not there yet. And. I don't know that we ever will be. That's just what I said it should be because that's what any other, you know, professional sports, which is what we are now, does. Uh, That's a lot uh, to unpack because he just said about everything that all of us know and all of us think, right, but that we're not necessarily used to head coaches directly saying. Mm -hmm. So the head coach of Ole Miss we know never holds back. And Lane Kiffin did not hold back in that soundbite, Courtney. What do you make of him just directly saying, we are a professional sport now, it's all about who has the most money, and that they've legalized cheating in that regard? He's saying the quiet part out loud, and it takes someone like Lane Kiffin to do that because Nick Saban aired his frustrations out at a point where he thought he wasn't on camera at this booster event or the event for the the world games that took place in Birmingham. And, you know, that led to a whole world of trouble. Like Lane Kiffin is at one of these programs, like he's talking about, you know, the kind of the, I'm thinking in my head, you know, he's talking about these, ba- these baseball teams that are willing to spend uh, to, to constantly win. So you look at the Mets, you look at the New York Yankees, the Dodgers, and he's playing small. Ball. He's basically, you know, Ole Miss is the Tampa Bay Rays in, in this respect. And the way that I look at it, it was him 
kind of calling out his boosters a little bit of, hey, if you really want us to be the most competitive team in the SEC, if you want us to win consistently, we need to ante, ante up a, like, a little bit with our players that we're trying to bring in here. This is not the first time he's made such polarizing comments, though, on NIL. Earlier this week, he said, quote, NIL is the most important thing in the kids' decision-making process right now. It's their salary. So for most people, let alone when you're 17 and a lot of them are not coming from money, end quote, you know, he's, he's pointing to why kids are now making their decision based on the NIL deals that they're able to get. Now, remember, this is not pay for play. I think we need to keep reminding ourselves of that because what Lane Kiffin was saying out there makes it sound like this is pay for play. You're legalizing cheating. Like NIL is supposed to meant, uh, supposed to, you know, lead towards opportunity via endorsements for, 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 for all intents and purposes for a lot of these student athletes and other sponsorship opportunities. It's not, you know, we're giving you $50,000 to come here and, and play football. There's, there's well, ways that they're trying I, I to at least feels... regulate it through that, but it, you're right. It does feel like that. And I think that that's what he was getting at. And I can guarantee you Lane Kiffin's not the only one who has that, those sentiments, especially among SEC coaches where you're seeing this at an immensely high level in that conference alone. The reason it feels a bit like pay for play and pay for play, of course, would be coming from the universities themselves. And this is not that, but this pay is coming from booster collectives. And that's exactly the same frustrations that Nick Saban had alluded to when you mentioned his comments that ended up going viral Mm -hmm. when he went back and forth with Jimbo Fisher. So it feels a lot like pay for play because of the way that NIL has turned out and has kind of been executed at these major universities with these huge booster collectives and these extraordinarily deep pockets. We will continue this conversation about NIL, about everything SEC Media Days. Coming up next is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys on Canty and Carlin. We are taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern. And we are in the midst right now of SEC Media Days. So to help us break down what's happening in Atlanta right now, we bring in Peter Burns, SEC Network and host. Of course, he also hosts Best Week Ever here 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern every single Sunday on ESPN Radio. Peter, thanks for joining us. Give us a mustache update because, of course, that's the most important thing. Has the mustache taken in SEC media days by storm. I feel like a, a, a bad mixture of Alex Trebek with um, a little bit of Magnum PI all mixed with like a 1980s Montreal Expos player. Like, you know, it's, it's such Incredible. a bad look that I feel like it's a good look. If that makes any sense. Like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not happy with my life decisions right now, but I think I feel like I have to own it. Because now I see everybody else with the mustache, and they're all like, hey, welcome to the club. And now I feel bad if I shave it. So I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed. What should I do, y'all? I think you keep it, personally. Yeah, I you're committed this, to it. Yeah, like, you commit um, to it this season. So when we see you on SEC oh, Network whoa. working all sorts of hours this fall during college football <laughs> season, if that mustache isn't there, <laughs> Amber and I are going to be reaching out because we will have felt uh, let on and potentially lied to. The the look that Greg Sankey gave me when he came onto my show this morning it was not it was not one where he it wasn't that he was uh, mad it, he looked disappointed and um, and and that was uh, interesting to say the least but uh, and he was feeling it today ladies I got to be honest with you Sankey was uh, in his bag I think he I think he likes the world that uh, college football is is trending as far as it relates to how the SEC is 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 positioned right now. Well, yeah, let's unpack that a little bit because I know that Greg Sankey said that essentially they're not interested right now in expanding. He likes the state of the SEC. Of course, they did expand, even if Texas and Oklahoma aren't quite there yet. But I guess he likes where the SEC is sitting. Where did you what did you make of his sort of state of the SEC state of the union address today? Yeah, I, I thought it was a little eye-opening, especially early in the morning when he came on and, and, and made it a point to say, listen, last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of phone calls. He's like, you know, we receive a lot of phone calls. But it, he was very quick to point out that they're in, no, they're in no hurry right now, right? They are in the catbird seat. I mean, they've won three straight national championships with three different teams. They've won 12 out of the last 16 titles. And, and, and it's almost as if he feels, and I think rightfully so, y'all, that that everyone is making moves to try to get to the point to where the SEC is at. So while they are a leader in ways on the field, they don't feel like they need to get out of their comfort zone to make a change. I I thought this was real eye-opening. He said that as soon as they saw the news of USC and UCLA making the move to the Big Ten, you know, instead of calling his athletic directors and presidents the next day, he waited for six days because he said, listen, I I want this thing to settle. I want emotions to, to, to hang on, and I'm going to wait a couple of days to make sure everybody has their mind right before making decisions. And I think, you know, he, he, he was very calm and collected during the pandemic when they decided what they wanted to do, and he's taking that same approach right now of, hey, we don't have to do anything right now. NIL. 
uh, in addition to conference realignment and the super conferences, is a big topic at SEC Media Days this week. We've heard Lane Kiffin talk about it, and he's never been shy about how he feels it's changing the landscape of college football. And also Brian Kelly, LSU head coach, uh, was asked about LSU potentially being outbid for players and gave a pretty honest answer that he didn't know uh, that they had, like, what sort of funds. And I guess he's trying to, you know, keep his head out of that, even though now technically he's able to, you know, dive right in there. So what do you make of the NIL conversation and, and what's being said about it specifically with these SEC coaches? Yeah, Courtney, it's, it's really kind of a sense of frustration because nobody really knows what to say right now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, let, let's keep in mind for the, the, the listener that's not knee deep in college athletics right now and really knows what's going on. When we say name, image, and likeness, NIL, that traditionally means that here, Bryce Young plays football at Alabama and let's say a car dealership wants to sign him to a, a television commercial or something like that. Like those are the deals that every single coach is for what they don't like right now is someone in some of these collectives going, all right, if you sign with our school, we will guarantee you X amount of dollars. The problem is right now is that we've got such a scatterboard and smorgasbord of, you know, 50 different state rules right now. And nobody knows what the rules are and who is actually enforcing them. You know, the NCAA now ladies, I mean, their hand is tied behind their back right now. And the frustration from Saban, from all these coaches, is that, well, what are the rules? Is there a speed limit that we can go? And if so, who, you know, who's policing this highway right now of paying players? And frankly, I think the answer is no one right now. Yeah, the Booster Collective ends up feeling a lot like pay for play, uh, which is, of course, a complicated subject matter when it comes to these college sports. And then, like you said, Peter, from state to state, the laws can be different and some legislatures actually don't even allow booster collectives, which was the case in Alabama for a brief period of time, which certainly put Nick Saban behind the mark might be why you heard and some frustration. They, from change him. That rule, Woo, right? they like, changed that law I mean, real that's... quick, <laughs> the state of Alabama. <laughs> and this is why. And so of course, Saban was probably putting pressure there uh, politically to get things changed because yes, he was hamstrung for a while there. So a lot to this, but Peter, is there any frustration coming out of sec media days? Obviously you've covered this conference for a long time in terms of the fact that we aren't like, we haven't asked you one, about you know the national champion there or the runner-up and conference winner there like none of this is actually about football is there any frustration from that sense I, I will tell you this Amber you're spot on this is the least amount of football on the field right that we've talked about in an offseason and, and I think it hurts the game itself right because you know, I, I remember going into the 2020 and the pandemic season that we had where we didn't have fall camp. We didn't get a chance to know the players. And, and yeah, football was played, but I never felt that connection. And, and again, you know, you and I have talked about this when talking about the NBA and ad, ad nauseum. Like, are you focusing on the play on the field? Are you focusing on all the ancillary issues afterwards? And, and frankly, I think that's why the, the, the sport is in a tailspin because it's always, you know, ancillary headlines and not – Hey, Stetson Bennett coming back. I mean, Stetson Bennett, right, had one of the most storybook, you know, endings ever. He was a walk-on that basically they were trying to make quick for several years, and he brings Georgia their first football title in 40 seasons. He's here at Media Days, and not a single soul has been has asked about Stetson. I mean, I, I guess that's great for Kirby because there's not going to be, a, you know, that bullseye on him. But, yeah, I think you, you're spot on that I think it hurts the game 
right now that we aren't focusing on the players. And I hope that changes once fall camp and practices start in a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, hopefully so. Hopefully we will get back to actual football here at some point. Peter Burns, SEC Network host, also, of course, host right here on ESPN Radio. Best week ever. Peter, thanks for stopping by. I'll keep the stash for at least the rest of the week. Bye, ladies. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. you. Oh, the epic mustache. So coming up next, we are in the midst of our ESPN Radio NFL two-a-days. Earlier in the show, we broke down the New England Patriots for you. If you miss that, you can always check out the Canty and Carlin podcast on the ESPN app. Coming up next, we will unpack the Raiders. This is Canty and Carlin. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. So we are in the midst of our ESPN Radio NFL two-a-days where we take two teams around the league every day and break them down for you. We broke down the New England Patriots earlier in the show. If you missed that, check out the Canty and Carlin podcast on the ESPN app. Right now, though, it is our opportunity to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, Courtney, a team that I think both you and I find much more interesting, actually, than the Patriots right now. And in order to do that, we're going to do a little game called SWAT. So we're going to tell you strength, weakness, opportunity, and threat for the Raiders. Let's go ahead and kick things off. Courtney, give me your strength of this Las Vegas Raiders team. My strength is the fact that they brought in the number one receiver in football with Devontae Adams and the franchise tag and then sign and trade to the Las Vegas Raiders. He gets to reunite with Derek Carr. And the fact is they could have the best outside receiver and slot receiver duo with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. I think it is a tremendous pairing. And, you know, to see Derek Carr at this point of his career with quite a bit to prove, he's got to deliver this team a championship uh, at some point, you would think, considering he's been there since 2014 and they haven't gotten past uh, the first round of the playoffs. So now's the opportunity to do that with the biggest strength coming from, you know, the one guy that they brought in on their offense. Yeah, my strength for this Las Vegas Raiders team is that with the Bengals and everybody, of course, all excited about what the Bengals did last season, making it to the Super Bowl. Let's not forget that the Raiders in their playoff run, they were nine yards from tying a wild card game against Cincinnati or going for two and winning that game. I mean, they were right there in the mix. That was before Mm -hmm. Devontae Adams. That was before Chandler Jones. That was before bringing in one of the most accomplished OCs in the entire game at head coach. So my strength is you're 
we're talking about a pretty decent Raiders team that had an incredibly tumultuous season last season and then adding to it offensively and defensively and in terms of the coaching staff. Go ahead and give me your biggest weakness for this Raiders team, Courtney. It's the back end of this defense. This is a team that came up with six interceptions total last season. That was a league low, and they allowed 222.9 passing yards per game, which is middle of the pack, but still this is not a part of the team that improved mightily this offseason. You mentioned Chandler Jones. Apparently it's like this thing in the AFC West where you see one team get a quarterback and then you go out and get pass rushers. Well, they did that, but their biggest weakness right now for me is what's going on on the back half of their defense. I think defensively the Raiders have kind of been in this weird spot really ever since like the 2016 season. They've been through several defensive coordinators. They've changed their scheme. And their defense to me seems to be trending downwards. So this to me is probably their biggest weakness on that back end. The biggest weakness for me is easy with this team in terms of that division. I mean, the AFC West is so stacked that Derek Carr, a three-time Pro Bowl quarterback here who a lot of people think may even take another step now this season, is in a position where he could be the fourth-best quarterback in that division, right? I mean, the Raiders could be the best last-place team that we've ever seen because that division is just so stacked. So that's my weakness for Las Vegas. What is your opportunity for this team? Opportunity for me centers around Derek Carr's MVP potential this year. I mean, he could flirt very easily with 5,000 yards in 2022. He's got the weapons to make that happen. Uh, Everybody from Devontae Adams to Darren Waller to Hunter Renfro. He's got Josh Jacobs in the backfield, too. There's a lot of good that can happen for Derek Carr in terms of him taking that next step and helping lead this team down the path towards the playoffs. And he's coming off a season where he, you know, threw for over 4,800 yards. He very clearly is in that top 50 class of quarterback can he take the step to get into you know maybe closer to the top 10 this would be the year for him to do it considering everything the Raiders did this offseason to try to bolster this roster with a new play caller to new receive new weapons for Derek Carr and you know I, I I just think that if there's any year for him to do it It's got to be in 2022. He's had good teams before. He's had good offensive lines before. But there seems to be a ceiling that these Raiders have hit. So hopefully the change in philosophy from, like, the top down with the coaching staff, new front office, will positively impact Derek Carr and let him run with this opportunity to have an MVP season. We spend so much time talking about Derek Carr's new weapons that we forget that he did already have some weapons there to begin with. And Darren Waller had a down season last season, but we are talking about the rare tight end with back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons on his resume. So I think that that could be a big opportunity for Waller to bounce back. I think Hunter Renfro, you mentioned, I mean, he emerged as one of the best slot receivers in the game last season. And so some of the weapons that were already there for Derek Carr, I think could take a big step up this season as well. Let's talk about the threat, though, for this Las Vegas Raiders team, Courtney. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs, because Mm -hmm. as long as they are in the division, as long as Patrick Mahomes remains the quarterback of that team, it's going to be a problem for the Raiders who have to face the Chiefs twice a year. And to my point earlier, it feels like everybody from the Chargers to the Raiders to, to Denver went out and tried to counteract what teams are doing at quarterback because you've got some pretty good ones in this AFC West. 
they went out and got pass rushers to try to stop these quarterbacks from being successful. Like, I think about the Khalil Mack trade. They got him for a bag of peanuts. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, that is. And Derek Carr is going to have to face Khalil Mack and Nick Bosa, you know, twice, excuse me, Joey Bosa twice a year from now on. So that is a big threat to me. I mean, playing in that division, it's the hardest one in football. It's going to be a bloodbath every single week. And you're right, Amber. We might be looking at the best worst team in a division this year with the Raiders. It's absolutely crazy to think about the fact that when you try to like, you know, put this project this thing out, for me, it's the Chiefs, then the Broncos, then the Chargers, and I've got the Raiders fourth right now and that's even hard to do when you think about how talented they are top to bottom. But I, I think that it's anybody's guess how those four might end up stacking up because they're so good. You could probably make an argument for all four of them. You could also make an argument for Josh McDaniels. I said yeah. as part of my strengths that they brought in, that they brought over one of the most accomplished OCs in the entire NFL to be a head coach. But, of course, the threat with that is that we've seen him be a head coach before. He lost 17 of his last 22 games when he was at Denver. Josh McDaniels is one of those Bilicek disciples where when you saw it go as a head coach, it didn't go so well because he kind of brought everything not so great about the Belichick experiment and didn't back it up with enough wins, which is a story that we've seen time and time again from that coaching tree. So I do think that's the threat. Hopefully history won't repeat itself there for Josh McDaniels and that he has learned enough in the interim and has a good enough roster here in Las Vegas. Coming up next, we will continue this conversation about the Las Vegas Raiders. They report to training camp on Wednesday. How quickly can Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels get on the same page? That's next. This is Canty and Garland. He told me a story off air that we have to get into on air because I feel like it's happened to all of us, Courtney, yes. that you had this epic Siri fail earlier. I have absolutely been in the same spot. So explain to the people what happened. So I was walking back home this morning and I was listening via my AirPods to music and my phone was on silent. It wasn't on do not disturb. So when it's on silent and a text comes through the Siri voice, it like dings. And then the Siri voice will like say, Michael Sell said, blah, 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 blah. So like she was reading me a text from my brother. And I'm meanwhile, I'm singing whatever I was listening to. It was a Jennifer Lopez song for anybody who actually cares. Um, And I'm singing the lyrics of it. And apparently she thought I was trying to respond to this text, which I did not know that you were able to do. So I learned something today. And all of a sudden it gets, you know, like when you can tell like you are about to get a notification, Mm -hmm. the, the volume of your music goes down a little bit. And she starts reading back what I was singing from this Jennifer Lopez song um, back to me saying, all right to hit reply. Basically, I was like, no, no, no. Like, I am not trying to, like, send anybody these emotional Jennifer Lopez lyrics. Uh, I've kind of been on like a late 90s, like early 2000s kick recently. Yes, it was. It was actually this song um, back in the I was Benifer singing. days. And then Benifer just got married. They so just kinda, got married. So we're kind of back in 2002 like, anyways. So it makes sense. Yes. Like I was, um, I kind of like rediscovered this like recently. It was All I Have by Jennifer Lopez. That th- that's this song, and LL Cool J's on it. It was absolutely incredible. Um, honestly, I was thinking about this earlier because Jennifer Lopez was kind of like my version of Beyonce growing up. Like, she was that girl. So I got to, like, rediscover the Jenny from the Block era recently. I don't have my Kangol hat that's, like, the fuzzy one and those cool, like, frames that now Joe Burrow wears. Um, but, yeah, I was singing this into my phone. Little did I know that Siri was – trying to um, 
you know, rake me over the coals here with potentially sending this response out to God knows who. Um, it never actually, I like looked at my phone. I opened it immediately. It's like, who is she going to send this to? And I didn't see anything, but um, well, that's the fear. Careful, is, at careful. least it was your brother texting. If it had yes. been like you know a boss here or something, then that could have gotten wildly inappropriate. Yeah, strange. I'm just telling my boss, you know, the path you uh, path you're on is yours alone, <laughs> or whatever she says. I mean, I'm not what even getting the words right. So like, how embarrassing! Jennifer Lopez and LL Cool J had back in 2002. <laughs> that's what Courtney Cronin was going to send our ESPN executives. That has happened to me on <laughs> oh, on God. air, where all of a sudden. Siri, like all my cell phone here because it's on silent She'll and it'll start, it'll start trying to text somebody what I'm talking about on air. So that has happened to me too. You got to be careful. You got to be careful about who you're texting. Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin, taking you up until seven o'clock Eastern. You can tweet to us at Amber W sports at Courtney R Cronin. So we were just having a conversation about the Las Vegas Raiders because we're in the midst of our ESPN NFL radio two a days. We're breaking down the Raiders for you. We broke down the new England Patriots earlier in the show. If you missed that, check out the podcast on the ESPN app. But right now we want to bring in some help for the Las Vegas Raiders conversation to Sean Reed, a Raiders reporter from The Athletic joins us. And Tashawn, thanks so much for joining us. This Raiders team already had some weapons. I think we forget about that from last season. But of course, Derek Carr has some shiny new weapons at the helm. Uh, As we head into training camp, what do you expect? How long do you expect that connection to take, considering that we know about the history there between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams? I think they should be ready to roll right off the bat. I mean, they, you know, prior to the pandemic, um, they would work out with each other in the off season still because um, they both live near each other in California. Um, and so it's only been a couple of years since they worked together on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, OTAs, obviously, they had some time to get familiar with each other within, you know, the new system. I think that's the bigger adjustment for them is learning how to operate with one another in Josh McDaniel's system and learning how to maximize their skill sets in, in the vision that he wants. And so, uh, yeah, I don't think it'll take them that much time for them to hit the ground running here in training camp. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll see, you know, once the, once the season rolls around. I don't anticipate we'll see either of them touch the field in the preseason, but, um, you know, in about a month or so, we'll, we'll get to see it in action. Deshaun, it kind of feels weird to say this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Is this kind of a prove-it year for Derek Carr? I know he just signed the three-year, $121.5 million contract extension with the Raiders, but if you look a little bit further into the numbers there, it's not a contract that they would have all that hard of a time getting out of if they decide that Derek Carr isn't their long-term answer. Like, Is this a prove-it year for him in some respects? I would say so. You know, even though they do have theoretically to get out of his contract after this season, they're not they're not cutting Darren Carter, right? You know, I mean, it'd probably be a little difficult to trade him with his salary and make the numbers work. And so, I think he's, he's going to be on the team next season regardless. But in terms of his perception and how he's viewed around the league, I, th- I think you would definitely say so. I mean, Derek Carr throughout his career, um, they haven't really surrounded him with the best. You know, I guess it's probably putting it lightly. Uh, I mean, in terms of the talent on the team, but I mean, this year you, know, you have, have Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, uh, Josh Jacobs in the backfield. I mean, if you can't put up big numbers with those weapons, then, then something's wrong with, with your signal caller. I will say, though, the, the big factor will be the offensive line. That's a concern for this team. It's been a concern since the last couple of years, really, and, and they pretty much kept the group the same going into this year. And so even if Derek Carr is on the money and, and the weapons are great, if the offensive line played as poorly as he did last year, um, the offense could be a little bit underwhelming. 
to Sean Reed, Raiders reporter for The Athletic, joining us here on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys. So to Sean, the offensive line might be a problem, so might the division, right? I mean, you'd think that if you took a 10-win team and you added key pieces, weapons on both offense and defense, things would be looking pretty up for that team. But could this end up being the best last place team that we have ever seen? Would you be surprised if that's how this division played out? No, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the fourth place team in this division won 10 games this year. That's how, how good I think this division is going to be um, and then how down to the wire I think it's going to come in terms of who's going to make the playoffs and who's going to miss it those last couple of weeks, weeks of the season. Uh, really, you look at all these teams and you can make an argument that they all should be playoff teams. I don't think that's it might be mathematically possible, but I don't think that that's actually going to happen. Maybe they'll get three teams, but I think there's going to be a pretty good team that gets left out. And I think, you know, the way it's viewed, I think, is, is two tiers. I think most people put the Chiefs and the Chargers at the top and then have the, the Broncos and the Raiders kind of in that second tier. But you know, it only takes a game or two for things to, to flip in the other direction. Um, and so I think, you know, really from start to finish, this will be one of the most entertaining divisions in, in the league. And it's almost like watching primetime TV every week. Deshaun, we talk so much about the offense with the Las Vegas Raiders. Let's switch gears uh, and touch on the defense here. I know that they made some acquisitions with their pass rush, but as it pertains to the back seven, this is a unit that came away with a league low six interceptions last year. How big of a concern is that secondary for the Raiders? You know, it's definitely, I would say it's a concern area for me is the, in the secondary. Uh, now, I would say outside cornerback is mostly about health. Trayvon Mullen. Um, he was been a starting corner for them for a couple of years, but last season he only played five games due to a foot injury. He had off-season surgery again on that same foot, and so seeing how he's able to bounce back from that, they traded for Rocky Sin from the Colts. Um, he's you know he's, he's a young player, but he's kind of been up and down throughout his career. Um, and then on the back end, um, Jonathan Abram, you know, is projected to be their starting strong safety. He's really struggled in coverage throughout his career and also to stay healthy. And so while they have a couple young bright spots like Nate Hobbs and, and Trayvon Morrig. Uh, you know, I definitely think that's going to be, you know, a position to monitor. Um, but I, I think one thing that may help, help them in terms of making more plays on the ball in the passing game is they're playing a more aggressive coverage system. Last year they were pretty conservative on the Gus Bradley. He pretty much stayed in cover three, single high safety for the entire game almost every week. But Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator that they hired from the Giants, he's much more varied. He'll, he'll wrap up. He'll send, send some blitzes, actually, you know, like Gus Bradley. He, he's, he mixes up the coverages and throws a lot of things that opposing offenses. So, I think the, the players in the secondary will be in better position to make plays, but whether they'll be up to snuff is another question that we'll have to wait and see answers. Tashawn Reed, Raiders reporter for The Athletic, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. Uh, Tashawn, the last time we saw Josh McDaniels be a head coach, it was pretty awful for the Denver Broncos. And, and the reports were that he alienated the locker room and maybe uh, flexed his personnel power a little bit too much. So far, obviously, he redeemed himself a bit with the New England years going back to OC. But so far, how has he been received out there in Vegas? Things have gone pretty well. I mean, you know, nobody's necessarily going to get out there on the podium and, and tell us that the locker room culture sucks or anything like that, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think it's natural that he's grown a lot, you know, both as an individual and, and as a coach since then. I mean, he was in his early 30s when he took that Broncos job, you know, hot shot coordinator. You know, he probably thought he could do no wrong. He was making personnel decisions. Now he's in his mid-40s, and, you know, the GM Dave Ziggler, he has personnel control. And so Josh McDaniels, while, you know, this is his show still, um, and I'm sure he's like-minded with Dave Ziggler on a lot of personnel moves. He doesn't have as much power as he did before. You know, it's more so focusing on, on the coaching and, and the football side of things. And, um, you know, I, I think he's learned from his mistakes. We're going to see if that, that, you know, leads to better results. You know, I mean, you can be a more full-fledged person and, and still, you know, flop, you know, as a coach from a, from a football standpoint. 
But, you know, I think it's natural for him to, to be a different person, you know, years down the line. You know, I don't, I don't think that is something that he was just saying for the cameras. Uh, I, I would hope anyway that, you know, yeah. over the course of about, about 10 years, he'd be different. Yes, well, and I, I assure you that I'm sure the Raiders fan also very much hopes uh, that he has learned something over the last <laughs> decade about being a head coach. Deshaun Reed, Raiders reporter for The Athletic. Thanks for joining us, Deshaun. Thanks for having me, y'all. Those Belichick disciples, Courtney, they, uh, they don't always pan out at the head coaching position, but maybe the second go-round will be the magic. Coming up next, LeBron says he's addicted to being all in. Is that going to help the Los Angeles Lakers? This is ESPN Radio.